Hello and welcome, or welcome back for those of you returning, to the All Round Sports Podcast, the podcast that talks about all round sports news. This podcast will look back on the last week of sport and all the big stories it has to offer. As usual, I'm your host Gemma and this week I'm joined by my co-host Tom Humphrey, who is actually competing in judo this weekend and he won another competition to cement his position as British number one in the heavyweight division. But more on that later in the series where I'll be sitting down with him as well as some other sporting stars from a range of different sports for some special episodes later on. Be sure not to miss them. Anyway, well done again and welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's great to, to join you once again. Looking forward to talking about the weekend's action. Yeah, I'm also very excited for your special. Um, I also should have explained as well. Um, I've been lucky enough to see Tom in action and uh, know that you have lots of great stories to share. So we'll look forward to that later on. We start the podcast with the tennis and the Labour Cup. Team World won their first title, defeating the European team 13-8. This was the first title for Team World, who won a total of five matches, including both of the doubles games compared to three singles games for Team Europe. The opening day saw wins for Alex Domina, Tsitsipas, Rudd and Sok. This left the sides level at 2 all. The second day where a win is doubled to be worth two points, saw Europe take a slight advantage as Djokovic returned to the tour following his absence around his vaccination status to beat Tiafo two sets to nil. The third and final day saw Team World overtake the European counterparts to win the title, finishing off in style with a doubles victory for Olga Aliasim and Jack Sock against Andy Murray and Matteo Berrettini to win their first Labour Cup. What were your thoughts on the Labour Cup? Well, a tournament which was centred around Roger Federer's retirement was uh, finished off in style by the young Team World, who uh, stole the show really from the European team um, to clinch their first Labour Cup. Really impressive performance from them. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they get on next year when they play back on home soil as well, so to see if they can actually retain it. They're only going to get better in Europe. We'll need to up their game. Yeah, I totally agree. It seems like Team Europe are going to have to get um, a new set of faces, I think, to if they're if they're going to overcome Team World. So with the rugby now, we start with the Super League Grand Final, which took place on Saturday and saw St Helens play Leeds Rhinos. St Helens won their fourth consecutive title, which is a new Super League record. They beat Leeds 24-12 and led from the start with an early try from Matty Lees. What did you think of that game? It was a really good game. Um, I think we all expected St Helens to win um, and they didn't disappoint. Unfortunately, Leeds weren't quite as competitive as we'd hoped and the, the game was sort of over um, sort of early into the second half when they went a couple of tries up. But yeah, very impressive from St Helens who look unstoppable at the minute. But it was a very valiant effort from Leeds. Um, and they had done well leading up to this final. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the regular season, I don't think anyone would have expected them to be here. They had a really tough eliminator match down against Castle and Dragons in the, in the south of France to get here as well. So, yeah, really valiant effort. And they, um, they did extremely well. And hopefully they'll come back stronger next season. And I think I'm right in thinking that St Helens add to their Women's Super League title, which they won two weeks ago as well. Um. 
Not quite. They uh, they didn't win. It was actually Leeds who won the women's title. Oh, okay. <laughs> On to rugby union. Um, with the international game, New Zealand won a very competitive title. Uh, they retained their title with a convincing bonus point victory over Australia. Now, I know um, South Africa were going in as slight favourites there, but they didn't quite get the bonus point they were hoping for. No, on paper, it looked like South Africa had the easier game, although in actual fact, it was New Zealand who had the the easier game. Australia just weren't at the races at all. Um, lots of mistakes, ill-discipline again. They can't keep 50 men on the pitch at the minute, whereas Argentina are looking increasingly strong, especially going into the World Cup. I think that it could be a bit of a dark horse here. They ran South Africa right to the final whistle, although South Africa, current world champions, did manage to hold them off. This Argentina side, something... You know, quite special. They've had wins over Australia and New Zealand this tournament. So, yeah, exciting times ahead for them. Definitely. That was a very uh, very good and exciting game for them. Um, there was also some excitement in the Premiership as well, um, where there were wins for Wasps, who beat Bath in the Friday fixture. Uh, also wins for Bristol, Leicester, Saracens and Worcester, who all won on Saturday. Uh, and also Exeter, who beat Harlequins by a single point in the Sunday game. Uh, it's recently been announced that Worcester have been suspended from all competitions after going into administration. Big news that no one ever thought that they'd uh, they'd hear that. Uh, this was after failing to meet their funding ultimatum, where they had to provide a credible plan by Monday evening at 5pm. Uh this also includes the women's team who have been suspended from the Premier 15s and could cause either a points deduction or relegation from both sides. So that's not looking very good for Worcester at all. Um, it's unfortunate for them and uh, hopefully they don't get the relegation. Hopefully it's just a few points deductions. So it's not very serious. <laughs> So we're now on to the football and it's the international break for footballers. Obviously, there's no Premier League games until this week. Um, it's been quite an interesting week of football in the Nations League and we've had some interesting and also boring games, I would say, um, in the in this, this week of upcoming football. England's first game was with Italy and that ended in a 1-0 win for the Italians and once again, England failed to score and this saw them relegated for the first time, even before their final game of the group. What were your thoughts? Well, yeah, this was definitely one of the boring games. I mean, other than the goal, there were very, very few chances for either side. Um, neither side actually looked particularly interested in this game. And uh, yeah, England definitely deserved to be relegated after that one. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. There wasn't really much excitement going on in that game. It was pretty dull and uh, pretty boring from an England perspective as well. Um, England's second and final game of the group was against Germany at Wembley, which uh, was a bit more exciting and had a few more goals in there. Um, Three goals for England with Shaw, Mount and Kane scoring. And then three goals for Germany, which saw Gundogan score and Havertz score too. A bit more of an interesting game here. Yeah, definitely. Well, a good second half anyway. The first half was much the same as the England-Italy game, but uh, the second half really really came you know, alive. Germany going two goals ahead. You know, The first goal scored by Gundogan from the penalty spot after 
a terrible mistake from uh, from Harry Maguire, who I think, based on Gareth Southgate's philosophy of picking in-form players, um, really didn't do him any favours there. I mean, I'm not quite sure, I think along with most of the country, how, how Harry Maguire actually managed to get into that squad, but he didn't do himself any favours. Terrible touch, giving the ball away and then, and then giving the penalty away with a silly foul as well. And in, uh, in my opinion, unfortunately, it was a penalty. And, you know, tucked away very coolly by uh, by Ike Gundogan, who has been doing that for Man City for you know a few seasons now. And yeah, it, it was a very disappointing start. Nick Pope, um, he guessed the right way, but uh, yeah, it was just as German, you know, Germans do, just expertly put away. Definitely, and also with the drop of the ball from Nick Pope, which gave Germany the equaliser as well. Yeah, so later on in the game, obviously England fought back really well, some good substitutions there, and um, you know, Mason Mount's goal was excellently taken. Um, you know, at that point, I think England were actually looking good for the first time in the Nations League campaign this season, and yeah, then unfortunately, right at the end there, three two up. Big mistake from Nick Pope, dropping a tame shot, which was then, you know, knocked in by Kai Havertz to uh, to double his goal tally of the game and um, really put a bit of a sour end to what was otherwise you know, a really good comeback for England. Definitely. And it, I think we were all very surprised to see England actually come back from 2-0 down because they haven't really been scoring much recently. So for them to score three goals in a game where they were 2-0 down was... Um, very good to very good to see, and maybe it's the start of of good things to come for the World Cup. Who knows? I mean, possibly um, this England team doesn't you know strike me as a team which looks like they're going to be challenging for the World Cup based on based on how they've been recently. But you know, for a short period, maybe half an hour or so, England did look did look good in an attacking sense. Anyway, I think defensively they still did look frail, and even at you know three two up, I don't think they looked very convincing defensively. They were where chances for the Germans be, you know, there were some positives. I mean, Harry Kane doesn't look like he's going to be missing a penalty anytime soon. Don't, don't want to jinx him before a World <laughs> Cup, but he um, he looked really good. Um, he really buried that. And I think some frustration on that penalty as well. I mean, he's um, he's had a lot of critics recently himself, but only two goals off Wayne Rooney now. I think he might well overtake him in this World Cup. He's the favourite for the golden ball. Um, he'll need his team to, to do well and progress the latter rounds to make that happen. But... Uh, yeah, he'll definitely be hoping that he can retain the golden ball again at this World Cup. Definitely. I think you saw the frustration come out when the celebration after the penalty was scored, actually. So, yeah, and I think there was um, a lot of build-up from Kane, obviously with England not doing so well and, and everything else. I, mean, I don't know what Southgate has to do to get his team to perform. Is it a new manager or is it new players? I don't know. Well, I think that Gareth Southgate will be given this World Cup um, especially this draw against Germany, I think it's a bit too late to replace him now. You know, personally, I've, I've not been a massive fan of Southgate. He obviously proved me proved me wrong to an extent that the the last two major tournaments were semi final at the World Cup, and obviously losing the Euros to Italy on, on penalties. So he's he's done very well. Um, maybe his time's up. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but uh, you know, I feel I think his team selection has been questionable over these these last two games, especially. And it's, it's not been a very exciting form of play either. I mean, we knew England weren't going to win the group. Obviously, we knew after the Italian game, they'd be relegated. So, real chance to sort of experiment in this final game. He didn't do that. So, um, yeah, let's hope he can rally one more time and put in a good performance at, at the World Cup and uh, 
get a bit of excitement around them around the team. But yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting. I hope I hope he can do something. Obviously, it's a strange World Cup this year, right in the middle of the season, the domestic season. So um, be interesting to see how the players adjust to that as well. And uh, they were they might be a little bit more fatigued, so potentially some squad rotation could could be in order for Gaff, but he seems to be sticking with the same sort of team um, who have been very good from in the past, but, uh, you know, I don't want to keep going back to him, but Harry Maguire really doesn't need to be in that team anymore. I don't think, based on current form, I wouldn't even suggest he should be in the squad. No, I think, and also they're playing very convinc- uh, defensively as well, and that, I don't think that helps them um, in their game. They need to be a bit more attacking and get the ball up in the opponent's side of the pitch in order to actually score goals. You know, they're not going to score a goal if they're in their own half, just passing it between the backs. So maybe that's an improvement they can make as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's obvious Gareth, you know, seems to to like the, the more solid players than anyone with a bit of flair. I mean, obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold left out the match day squad. I mean, he's really struggled for minutes under Southgate, um, as has, you know, Mason Mount. You know, it was good to see Jude Billingham in there. Last night, I mean, he's he showed once again he's a he's a top player and has a really good future ahead of him. So hopefully, Gareth can look and you know explore a little bit more with these players in the World Cup and not just go for the the tried and tested who at the moment seem to be underperforming. Definitely. So um, there are also lots of teams that, or some teams that have qualified for the Nation League final already. Um, they are Croatia, Italy. And the Netherlands, and they'll either be joined by Spain or Portugal, which play tonight at 7:45. Uh, Portugal are the current reigning champions, and they also have the home advantage. And they, I think, they're looking like the likely team to qualify, as they do only require a draw. Yeah, so really interesting group there, because Spain dropping points against Switzerland in their last game means that, like you said, Portugal only need to draw on home soil, so that gives them the slight edge. Uh, they do have far superior goal difference anyway, so even if Spain did manage to beat Switzerland, it would always require a Spanish win. Um, they are, of course, the reigning champions, Portugal as well, so they do like this competition and, and Spain aren't looking quite as uh, good as they once were. So, yeah, I think you've got to edge it to Portugal there, especially if Ronaldo can hit some form. I mean, he's had a bit of a slow start to the season, so he'll want to, uh, he'll want to fire his team into the Nations League finals. Definitely. I think it's, uh, like we've said, it's definitely looking likely to be Portugal that qualify there and there are going to be some interesting games going into those finals. Yeah, I mean, out of the four sides, I mean, Croatia look in very good form. They uh, they won a tough group which contained, you know, the world champions France as well. They had a bit of a disappointing tournament. They only finished with uh, five points as well. So, you know, Croatia coming on to, out of a very tough group there, playing very well. Obviously, we know about the Italians. They were, I would say, probably the least uh, least convincing side going to these finals, but they did finish in good form. They beat England and also managed to get through Hungary as well. I mean, what, what a story it would have been if we could have seen Hungary there finishing out uh, just below the Italians by a single point, but they had a fantastic compa- campaign and you know, great for the sport. They're obviously an historical footballing nation, but... Uh, they're looking like they're only only growing. It's going to sort of hopefully spark some interest in the or respark some interest in the country. And then of course the Netherlands as well, looking for their first ever international trophy. They won a very tough group as well, which uh, contained Belgium and and Poland, and of course the, the Welsh who uh, who very much underperformed with just one point. Like I said, it's always England might have underperformed, but it's always great to see uh, 
Wales can do one better. <laughs> they, uh, England might not have got a win, but at least they got a few more points on the board. Just a single point for Wales in, um, you know, saw them get relegated to, to Group B as well. We just need a Wales-England game just to see who come out who comes out worst. Well, we're looking forward to that in the World Cup. I mean, neither, neither sides are looking on very good form, but based on the Nations League and, uh, and the squads, you have to say that's one game England might actually be favourites for. Maybe. I mean, they're not favourites for much at the moment. So if they can be favourites for one game, then uh, yeah, Wales definitely is that person. <laughs> yes. And also, talking about British football, we have Scotland, who had a fantastic group in uh, in Group B. They're now going to be in Group A next year, getting promoted there in a tough group. They uh, finished on top of Ukraine, who, of course, got the better of them in the World Cup playoff earlier this year, as well as the Republic of Ireland, um, who, who had a really disappointing campaign, just four points from, from five games there for, for Ireland. But, yes, yeah, Scotland... It'll be interesting to see how they get on. I don't think they've quite got the quality to compete with the other sort of Group A nations, but I definitely think that uh, this will sort of spark a bit of uh, a bit of interest in Scottish football again because they've been struggling internationally as well. Obviously, not going to the World Cup, bit of a disappointment for them, losing out in the final game in the playoff against a strong Ukrainian side. So yeah, a bit of redemption for them there. Definitely so, and also uh, Northern Ireland are remaining pretty consistent in their uh, league as well they're in league c aren't they yeah so they're they're in the third tier league c um they finish on five points so i think that's uh probably about where you'd expect them to see they, they lost out to greece in kosovo but finished above above cyprus on goal difference so not particularly much to say on that one unfortunately north and Ireland aren't aren't going to be firing in the top leagues anytime soon but at least it avoids them getting relegated to the bottom tier Definitely. It's been a very um, interesting Nations League so far and I'm sure the finals will carry on being interesting and we'll see who uh, lifts the trophy. Maybe it will be Portugal again or will it be a new country? Who knows? I mean, there's there's countries here who you know, could potentially beat Portugal depending on what uh, form they're on going into it. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. Weight clash between Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker. I think it was quite an interesting fight, but I'm going to pass you over to Tom, who's definitely got more of an insight into the boxing than me. So, yeah, it was a really, really good contest this one. Sometimes, especially in recent times, the heavyweight boxing has slightly disappointed, but this fight uh, definitely didn't. Joseph Parker, the New Zealander, the former world champion, came out the better of the two fighters, you know, winning the majority of the opening rounds, um, up to round six, really, was uh, it was his show. But Joe Joyce, as uh, as he's shown in, in fights previous, especially in his one against Daniel Dubois, starts slowly, um, in this case very slowly, but came back to sort of dominate the second half of the fight. And then in the 11th round, with a cracking um, left hook, knocked his opponent to the to the canvas, and Joe jo- uh, sorry, Joseph Parker couldn't make the count. So, yeah. Joe Joyce, the newly crowned WBO interim heavyweight title, um, fully deserved for him. Of course, he's just 13 fights into his career, already capturing that that interim title. Exciting times for the Olympic silver medalist. Definitely, it seemed like it was interesting. But what's next for Joe Joyce? Well, as he's the interim champion, he's now the mandatory challenger for Alexander Usyk, the current world champion. And uh, that's who he called out after the fight. 
obviously Alexander Usyk will be looking at this uh, unification bout with, at the moment, WBC title holder Tyson Fury, although more on that later about uh, what's happening with him. So it could be a little while. He might need to defend this title before he actually gets to uh, to fight for the undisputed title. I personally don't think Joe Joyce at this moment in time has shown enough to really challenge Alexander Usyk, who in my opinion is, is the pound-for-pound pound number one boxer. Um, although he's a slightly smaller man, I think the southpaw will cause too much trouble for, for Joe Joyce, um, who isn't the fastest mover, unlike his uh, Ukrainian rival. And um, yeah, I think Joe Joyce will, will continue to grow and uh, there's no reason why he can't be a future world champion, but I can't see it being in his next fight if it's against Alexander Usyk. It's always good to see Usyk fight and uh, it could be an interesting one there. Um, on to the Fury-AJ fight now. There's a lot of noise coming from the Fury corner. Uh, what can be made of that? Well, it's nothing unusual there. Tyson Fury, once again, being very vocal about this. I mean, he's, he's posting on social media pretty much every hour of every day. Um, you know, he sent across a contract which seemed very fair to, to Anthony Joshua, to be fair to him, but uh, 60-40 split and then a 50-50 in the rematch. AJ, um, as normal, going for his management company, really not very um, interested in negotiating with, with Fury verbally over social media. Um, from what it, all reports suggest, that he's in camp training really hard for this and does want to fight. Um, Fury's now set this ultimatum that it had to be sorted um, by 5 o'clock tonight, and uh, obviously that has now been and gone, and uh, it's been reported he's not, uh, not yet received the contract. His promoter, Frank Warren, is, is still saying that the fight's on. Tyson Fury's adamant that it's not. I mean, how many times have we seen Tyson Fury change his mind in the past about various things? I think this this could still well be on. He does seem to be very indecisive with a lot of things, it's, especially when it comes to his retirement. He seems to one minute retire, the next minute come out of retirement, and then, you know, next minute fight's on, one minute a fight's not on. So he seems very indecisive when it comes to these sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. There's no question about his ability in the ring, but out of the ring, he seems very erratic with his decision making, and uh, it's some. He has his fans, and he he has his haters as well. I mean, he's a character; he draws attention. You know, people are always talking about him, but I do think that there's a, a growing you know, um, majority of boxing fans now. I'd say who are getting slightly fed up with his antics. Like I say, I can't take anything away from his boxing, but it is getting very repetitive here. One minute, you know, like you said, he's retired, and the next minute, he's he's back out again. He's made it very clear that he he does want to fight AJ, although giving such a short turnaround does imply that uh, maybe he's not quite as keen as he makes out. And uh, with them being on on different broadcasting platforms, obviously AJ with with Dazan and um, and Tyson Fury with BT, that was never going to be sorted within the short ten day period he's given. So I'm I'm still hopeful that they might be able to sort it out. Like I said, Frank Warren has come out and said that he wants to fight. So um, th- there is there is hope. Eddie Hearn's been quite quiet on the whole subject. I mean, he's explained that AJ, AJ wants us to go ahead, but that was uh, a few days back. I think it was actually before the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's still a possibility. I mean, boxing fans, you know, British boxing fans will be very hopeful it goes ahead. And uh, I think if it does, it'll be, it'll be a cracking contest. But uh, at the moment, as it stands, it's looking far from a done deal. Well, thank you for that insight on boxing. Definitely more of a knowledgeable sport for you than for me. Um, thank you.
Let's finish the pod off with the international cricket. England men are currently playing Pakistan in a seven-match tour of the country. England are currently 3-2 ahead, although Pakistan did win the last game by three runs on Sunday. The last two matches of the tour are available to watch on Sky Sports at 3.30pm on Wednesday and Friday. Let's hope England can get the job done before the last match of the tour. Now on to the England women, and despite their win over India 2-1 in the T20 series, the one-day international hasn't gone quite as well for them, with England India winning the series 3-0. The final match of the series did see a very interesting event, though, um, where Deepti Sharma from India went to bowl the ball, um, but it didn't release, and saw England move from the wickets to get the India bowler hitting the wickets to get them out. What were your thoughts on that? Wow, very, very controversial moment here in the cricket. Um, I saw the clip and uh, it all really depends on whether or not she was warned. England captain now Heather Knight's come out and said India didn't warn didn't warn them about this and just proceeded to to go ahead, in which case that'd be really poor sportsmanship. Although it's with you know Within the rules, um, no real etiquette there, if that's the case. India claimed that they warned her on multiple occasions. Um, I guess we'll never really know the ins and outs of that one. But yeah, a bit of a messy end, really. I mean, it was it was a really close game by the looks of things as well. Just going down, you know, to, to the final to the final wicket there, England requiring just sixteen. Oh, sorry, requiring seventeen to win. So um, it's a tricky one. We'll never know. Um, we don't like to see the, the game end like that from an England perspective. It's not not what we'd want to see. I mean, the series was already over. I think possibly India could have done it in a slightly better style. But at the end of the day, as far as they're concerned, a win's a win. And they go on to obviously win win the series 3-0 and overturn their poor T20. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's very surprising that it's actually within the rules of cricket. It seems to be something that that shouldn't be within the rules. But, you know, I suppose they know the rules and they knew what they were doing and it worked well for for India. So um, they went on to win that game by 16 runs and do get the whitewash over England now. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Dean, she knew what she was doing. She was trying to get an advantage running, you know, slightly... Slightly closer to the opposite end, and uh, she, you know, she took that risk. I mean, whether or not she was she was warned or not, she's played cricket long enough. I mean, to get to international level, they've all played cricket long enough to be well aware of these rules. Um, and ultimately, it is a game of fine margins, and, and whether it's poor sportsmanship or not, um, you know, she she was out in a legitimate way. So it's a big shame. I think she'll learn from the experience. I think it's going to put a bit of Bit of blood, but bad blood between these uh, two nations moving forward as well. Certainly, the next time they play, it will be be very interesting. It might even be at the T20 World Cup later on in the year as well. Yeah, we'll definitely see how that goes. But it's not um, all plain sailing for England ladies right now. No, definitely not. I mean, the men's side um, doing much better. Obviously, they got their first win for 17 years on on Pakistan soil. Um, earlier this month, which is fantastic, and they're they're leading that series three two. Really hoping they can get the job done on Wednesday and not have to go to a decider on the Friday. But it's been it's been very close. 
I mean, looking back at the results, I mean, none of it, none of the games have been been whitewashes. They've all been very competitive. England, which are going with that slender lead, I really hope that they can uh, they can just get that job done in you know what is a very hard country to go go and tour. So yeah, all the best for England England men, and of course, hopefully, as far as the women are concerned, they'll be able to regroup and uh, really rally. On um, looking towards the end of the year, obviously their their biggest sort of competition now is the World Cup, the T20 World Cup. You know, and they're doing a lot better in, in T20 cricket when they are one day internationals at the moment. Yeah, there definitely seems to be that way. Just the final bit of the podcast now before we finish up. Um, just a quick test of knowledge for Tom, or maybe a test of how much he's actually been listening to the podcast. I don't really listen to the podcast. I just uh, I just read off a script you've given me. I'm not sure that's entirely true. You do put your own twist on quite a few things, especially when it comes to the boxing. Um, just a quick fire five question quiz. Uh, we'll just see how many you get right. I've been quite kind to you on some of them, so hopefully you'll get a few answers right. Uh, we'll see. This is the part of the podcast I've been dreading. Well, we'll make a start anyway. Uh, question one. How many goals is Harry Kane behind Wayne Rooney? Two. Very good. Question two. What round did Parker get knocked out in the boxing? So far, I'm enjoying this quiz. Round 11. Two out of two. How many points did England finish on in the league? A very disappointing three points. Wasn't good for them, but well done to you. Three out of three. Now, this one might be a bit more tricky for you. Um, how many ATP titles has Roger Federer won in his career? Oh, I don't know, actually. This is a tricky one. And obviously, no, could have asked me how many Grand Slams he'd won. That would be much easier. Um, that would just be way too easy, though. I'm practically giving you the answer. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's actually been overtaken by um, by Djokovic now or not. Um, by me, it's going to be it's going to be a lot. It's going to be an obscene amount of titles. My guess is, and I'm not saying this is right. 95. He's actually won 103, so you drop a mark there. So that's currently three out of four. So the last question now. Uh, how many times have England won the rugby championship? England? Uh, none. They don't play in the uh, rugby championship. I mean New Zealand, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I know they're very dominant in the in the rugby championship. And we're just talking about the rugby championship before... Um, we're not including the Tri-Nations before Argentina joined? No, just the Rugby Championship. Okay, well, they've, they've been very dominant. Um, I think they've won most of the Rugby Championship editions. Um, trying to think when Argentina actually joined. Um, I um, Are you going to give me when Argentina joined? You're going to tell me what year? No, I'm not giving you what year. Okay, I'm going to guess... Seven. I think they've won it seven times. Oh, you're very close. They've actually won it eight times. Yeah. Um, Not too far out. Can I have half a point for that one? All right, I'll I'll give you half a point. If you can (laughs) tell me who the other winners were. Okay. Um... I know Australia won it one year, and um, and South Africa. Although I don't think it'll be too long before Argentina are joining them, based on their recent form. Really impressive season for them, and hopefully they can come back stronger next year. Really make it 
continue to make it as competitive as they have this season. So we'll give you three and a half points for the quiz. How did it go overall? I actually think uh, better than expected. Well, I think next time I'm on here, I might uh, I might flip it round and have a go at quizzing you. Oh, that would be a big test, wouldn't it? Thank you for listening to this pod. I'll be back later in the week to give you a preview on all the sports to come. Once again, I'm your host, Gemma, and thank you, Tom, for joining me on this episode of the All Round Sports Podcast. Be sure to tune in later in the week where I'll be hosting the sports preview show for all the action over the weekend.